We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church.
Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. Psalms 100. Let's add your joyful voice to this, this worship this morning. Take your hymnals, turn to hymn 231. Come, Christians, join to sing. Welcome those around you in worship this morning. Good morning, church family. My name is Scott Lane. It's a privilege for me to welcome all of you to worship 
we've prayed for you. We've prayed for these moments that God, through his Holy Spirit, would be near and dear to your heart. If you're a guest, I want to say a special word of welcome and greetings to you. We've prayed for you that God would make you feel at home here, that this would be a place where you, your soul can rest, can grow, and can soar with the Holy Spirit. And so if you would do us the great favor of filling out a card in the pew rack in front of you, there, there should be a card there. Just fill that out. Let us know about you. If you came with friends or family, we want to begin a friendship with you. And so if you'll fill that out later in the service, you'll drop that in the offering plate, and that would be your gift to us. We would just count it a blessing to, to get to know you, to form a friendship with you. We are excited about what God is doing in the lives and hearts of this, this church through its members, through its ministries, throughout the city, and throughout the nations. And so we want to just begin the friendship to tell you how God is working in our church, and maybe God would draw you to this place to work alongside of us. Another way that God works in our church is through our strategic mission partners. One of those is the Baptist Universities of America. And today we welcome to our pulpit Dr. Abe Haquez, the president of BUA. There is an insert in your bulletin that you can learn more about what God is doing in and through that uh, institution of higher learning. And so, Abe, it's a blessing to have you. We pray for you as you come and preach and share God's word with us. So we look at our reversed text today. It says, set your minds on things above. Keep seeking things above. Easier said than done, right? So this will need to be an intentional activity. It will need to be a continual activity. But Paul paints this amazing picture, and what we know is it will be a beautiful activity because we will sense and see Jesus seated at the right hand of God. Amen? So what vision would that bring? What would happen if we had that vision in our heads, our eyes, and our hearts today? Well, it would bring peace, conviction, encouragement, and joy. Just, just to name a few. How many of you need one of those this morning? Me too. I need them all. And, and there's more. The promises of God are unending. But as the song says, And the things on earth will grow strangely dim as we see Jesus more and more clearly. So today, this morning, as we sing and pray, listen and learn, may we sense and see the glory and grace of the risen, exalted Christ. Welcome to worship. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for that great gift in whom we have life and joy and strength and power, in whom we are filled, in whom we have hope of living the life you've called us to live. So we pray, God, your spirit would be fresh and full in this room and in our hearts, that we would become more and more like Christ. So help us see, help us seek today, that we would listen and learn and grow, and that this church would be the beautiful bride that would point people to Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Have you read Reverse this week? Have you been in the Word this week? If you have, you've encountered this text again and again and again, and, and it's a reminder of what we're born into. It's a reminder that if unredeemed, the qualities that will come out are less than lovely. Paul reminds us in these first verses of chapter 3 that 
things like anger and wrath and malice. But he also writes later in this chapter and then also in his epistle to the Galatians what it's like to live a life called by the Spirit, in the Spirit, redeemed. We call them the fruit of the Spirit. So let me read those to you and keep those in mind as we study this carnal man, what it means to be redeemed. But the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I'm going to read those again. My daughter's on the second row here singing the song that she, she knows that goes along with the fruit of the Spirit. So whatever song, however you learn these fruit, I want you to sing this in your head. And let this be what we're known as, we're known by. But the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. As I read scripture this week, the one that captured my heart was to be hidden in Christ, to be identified by him and not ourselves anymore. So we're going to be singing these songs and you're going to, you're going to get that theme, to rest in him, to hide in him. Let's start with 412, my faith has found a resting place. Let's stand together.
and thank you for your worship. You may be seated. Okay, at this time, let's have all the children come on down. Meet me right here on these steps. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, I, I want to, it would be so cool if I'd show you what is in this bag, okay? You ready? Can everybody see this bag? Okay, I'm going to reach into this bag here. And, uh, wait a minute. There's a hole in the bag. Yeah, there, yeah there's a hole in the bag. Oh, man. <laughs> wow, you see that? My hand goes right through. What could you put into this bag? Could you hold anything in this bag? Candy. Yeah, if you put candy in there, what would happen? Yeah, fall out. That'd be good for you, wouldn't it? It'd fall right there. Yeah, it'd be a big mess. Look, wait a minute. There's not just one hole in here. Look at this. Look at these. There's so many holes. There's so many holes. This bag is... It's terrible. It's terrible. A few, just a couple hours ago, you know what was in this bag? Breakfast tacos. I know. I, I want one too. I know. They're, they're so good, but you can't hold anything in this bag. You know, uh, if this is an old bag and it's just, you can't put anything in there. The scripture that we're looking at today talks about having an, a person, a heart that's old and it can't hold love. It can't hold forgiveness. It can't hold anything because it all falls out. And, and God says that there's a time when you're going you're gonna to need to love somebody. You're going to need to forgive somebody, but you can't do it because if your life is full of holes, all that stuff will fall out. And Jesus helps close those holes and makes it new like a, like a brand new bag and it can hold everything that it needs to hold. Boys and girls, when, when Jesus comes into your life, he helps you set aside what's old and he makes you new. And then you can hold all the love you need to have. Okay? Remember that. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that we would set aside the old self, that we would lay that down and let you make a new self in us so that we can love and forgive and hope, and help, and light up this world. That's what we pray. Help our lives to hold those things and not let them fall out. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, boys and girls. Thank you, Pastor Brian. Let's continue to, to worship everybody. Hymn 340, He Hideth My Soul in the Cleft of the Rock. Let's continue to worship. Stand together as we sing.
be seated.
Well, welcome this morning. It's a great privilege to be here. As Scott mentioned, my name is Dr. Abe Hawkins, president at Baptist University of the Americas, and I want to thank Pastor Chris for the opportunity that he's given to me to come and share God's word first, God's word first and foremost, but to also represent the school here in San Antonio. So we're very thankful uh, for this church. As you know, we're members of this church, so this is home for us. So I'm not a visitor. I'm a, I'm a part of the family here, and so we're excited to be here today. And uh, I just, Scott, uh, Chris, uh, Aaron, I'm going through all the guys. Great music this morning. Fantastic. Thank you so much. As we start, if you'll stand with me as we read God's word this morning. We're in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. If you've got your listening sheet, um, let's stand and read that together. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body, dead immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abuse of speech in your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you also put your old self in evil practices. May God bless you reading this word. You may be seated. Strobel was an atheistic journalist with the Chicago Tribune. When his wife became a Christian, he set out on this skeptical investigation of the Christian faith, not knowing that at the end of the day, he would become a believer himself. You see, God had changed his life, and he wrote about this in his book, The Case for Easter. This is what Lee stated in the book. He said, over time, my character, my values, my attitudes, my priorities, my philosophical worldview, and my relationships all changed. He said, for the good. He continued to say that so much so that a few months after he became a follower of Jesus, his five-year-old daughter, Allison, who had previously only known a father who had been profane, angry, verbally abusive, a drunk, and all too often absent. Those were the characteristics that characterized Lee Strobel before his life changed. One day, his daughter walked up to his mom, her mom, and said, Mama, I want God to do for me what he's done for Daddy. You see, what she was saying is, if this is what God does to a human being, then that's what I want for my life. Even at an early age, she experienced authentic spiritual transformation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. This is a great picture of the branch that is united with the vine 
to where it gets all of its nourishment, all of its sustainment from the vine. And at the end of the day, you look at the branch and the vine, and they are one. You see, just as Lee Strobel was living one life, the old life, ultimately, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, impacted his life, it transformed his life, and gave him a new life. This morning, I want to ask you a simple question. What place does Jesus have in your life? What place does Jesus have in your life? Many of you might say this morning, well, Jesus has a seat at the table in my life. He's, got, he's at the table. May I suggest to you that Jesus doesn't simply want a seat at the table of your life. You may even go further and say, well, Jesus has a significant place in my life. He doesn't just sit at the table, but he has a significant place in my life. May I suggest to you that Jesus doesn't only want to have a significant place in your life. You see, my friend, Jesus wants to be your life. You see, he wants to be who you are. And we'll see in the scripture this morning that if you're here and you claim a relationship with Christ, it's not simply a part, he's not simply a part of your life, but he is your life. This morning as we unpack Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 9, and explore what God's word says about the question that I posed earlier, what place does Jesus have in your life, I believe that he'll help us understand how to live this Christ life that Paul talks about in the, book of, in the book of Colossians. Let me give you a bit of context this morning as Paul uh, writes the book of Colossians. If you notice in chapter 3, if you think back in chapter 2, he talked about to the Colossians, he said, listen, let me tell you what you shouldn't follow. These are some things you shouldn't do. And some of the things he mentions there is you shouldn't follow those philosophical teachings that are antithetical to what, what, uh, what God's Word says that were being espoused during that day. Not only that, you shouldn't follow the teachings, the erroneous teachings on what to eat or how you should live your life. And in chapter 3, Paul shifts his teachings to the Colossian believers, and he says, let me tell you how, what, you, what you should do to live your life. This is how you should live your life. What should you seek after? Where should your heart be? And I'd like to suggest several principles this morning that I believe will help us as we continue this journey called the Christ life. I want you to notice in chapter, uh, verse 1, chapter 3, he says this, If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Notice how Paul begins the statement, having been raised. This is a clear reference to Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, where he says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised together with him through faith. There's the key phrase, through faith in, working, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. See, the principle here is that just as Jesus was raised from the dead, you and I were raised with him. You and I were raised with him to newness of life. See, this provides a very significant union with Christ. It's a bond that we have with Jesus that reminds us that there was a day when we were dead to sin. There was a day when we were dead to sin, 
And because of what Christ did in the cross, on the cross and, and through the grave, we're able to be raised up with him. This is significant for you and me. It's significant because it allows us to live out the Christ life that Paul talks about in the book of Colossians. You see, it's not something that we try to be. It's not something that we say, you know what, I, I think I want to try to be a, a good Christian or try to follow the principles that God puts here. It's not even something that we aspire to be. It's not something that we, I hope that I end up there, wherever there might be, I, I hope that I end up there. No, instead, it's a relationship that we have with Jesus and because of what Christ did on the cross and because he was raised to new life, you and I have the opportunity to have that new life, that transformative life that God calls us to. Notice the verb here that he gives to us. It's a verb of action. See, it's having been raised. We are raised today. Something, it's not something that we manufacture. I think I'm going to try to do this. It's not something that we uh, say, I, I'll wait till I get to heaven. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to experience the abundant life Christ calls us to. We, we get to experience that today because we are a part of what Christ did long ago. So how does this happen? How do we experience this life that we talk about? Well, he tells them the rest of the verse. Look at the rest of the verse. He says, keep seeking the things above. Keep seeking the things above. What are those things that Christ, that Paul is talking about that we should be seeking above? Well, Philippians 4.8 gives us a pretty good list. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's a pretty good start. Let me read that for you. It says, finally, brothers, whatever, and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. You see, we ought to meditate. We ought to think and study God's word daily. That ought to be a result of that Christ life. Is we ought to sit there and be in the Word of God daily. We ought to ask ourselves about our morality. We ought to say, well, what about my morals? What about my principles? What about my ethos, the, the belief system that I have? How does that align with the Word of God? Well, the only way that it can, you can think about how it aligns with God's Word is by being in God's Word. See? If you understand that as you're in God's Word, then all of a sudden... Uh, we begin to speak the truth. We begin to edify other people. It's amazing how the enemy chooses us uh, to just simply be unedifying to the closest people that we love, our family. Isn't that amazing? Yet God is reminding us because we have been raised with Christ, that ought to be something that ought to be automatic for us to encourage those of our family and in the workplace. Matthew 6.33 says it this way. He says, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, when we seek the kingdom, when we seek God's righteousness, then Philippians 4.8 all of a sudden just comes right into play, doesn't it? It just kind of slips right in and becomes a part of who we are. You see, the Apostle Paul was reminding us that we're to seek the things above. We're to seek it. We're, we're to do that every time. It's the present active imperative, which basically means we ought to be keep on seeking on. 
You seek to seek more. And so that's something that God calls us to. Let me illustrate this way. Uh, often when I think about that question, what place does Christ have in my life? Many times the Lord takes me back to my salvation experience. And there may be many of us here today, we've kind of wondered when we, come, when, when we accept Christ into our heart, the first question that comes to mind is, well, what do I have to do? What is my responsibility as somebody who has received Jesus? Then, oh, no, what, what do I need to do? Do I have to change? Is it up to me to affect the change that I need to, ha that need to happen because of the decision that I've made to follow Jesus? Friends, this morning I have really good news for you. The answer is no. It's not up to you to do anything except really two things. To have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to be obedient to him. And Christ does the rest. You see, it's up to Jesus to do the changing. It's not up to us. But it's Christ to do the changing for us because we believe that Christ was risen from the grave and he's brought us with him. I love Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And I love this part. The life I now live in the body, that's today that we live here, I live by faith in the Son of God. Amen. You see, it's not up to me to have to manufacture my life in Christ. You see, if I believe that Christ was raised from the dead, then he took me with him when I said yes to him. And Galatians says, I don't have to deal with it here. All I have to do is live by faith of the Son of God. You see, for many of us here this morning, accepting Christ is a life-changing moment, isn't it? When we're raised up with Christ, it's a life-changing deal. And attitudes that you once had, you no longer have. Anger issues that may have been surfaced before begin to melt away. Behaviors that you once exhibited you no longer desire or are no longer satisfying for you, right? Your life shifted dramatically. Your life changed in an instant, inside and out. On the other hand, you may be like me. You see, when I received Jesus into my life, the outside of my life didn't change much. I didn't see a huge shift in my attitude or my behavior. I, I didn't skip school and hang out with those who did, right? My parents are now with the Lord, and they're worshiping God right now, but, uh, so I can say this without much, uh, much fear of, ret of retribution. But I, but I was a pretty good kid overall, <laughs> right? I, I have witnesses. Didn't have major disobedient issues. Not many big behavioral problems, but you know what I was? I was a sinner, and I needed a Savior to raise me up. Amen? That's what I was. So whether you had huge shifts, as Lee Strobel did, as we talked about that earlier, where there were very clear external changes, or maybe you were like me, where I had subtle changes in my life. Either way, your life was changed. It was changed. It's no longer your life, it's, it's Christ's life. And that's what God calls us to live, his life. Well, not only does our union with Christ remind us that we were raised with, with, with Christ, but Paul tells us that we're to set our minds 
on things above. So he says, first of all, seek the things above. We talked about that. Now he says, set your minds on things above. In other words, he's saying, set your affection. The word there is affection. It literally means to think or to meditate on. So what Paul does here, he moves from the head to the heart. Lightfoot stated, states it this way, you must not only seek heaven, but you must also think heaven. You see, Paul saw this as a natural progression in our lives, that as we're seeking the things above with our head, that it moves to our heart, our actions. Let me illustrate it this way. The devil's very deceptive. And the devil sometimes, we get in conversations with the devil when we don't even know we do. It kind of goes this way. There's an action, there's a thought, there's an activity, and we know that it's wrong, we know that it's not of God, but we have the conversation anyway. I wonder if it'd be okay if I did that. What would happen to me if I were to do that? And the, and the enemy just, you just open the door for the enemy to come in, and the enemy says, let's have the conversation. He says, you know what, Abe? You deserve that. It's okay. You can, it's okay to do that. You deserve it. And by the way, you've had a hard week. You deserve it. And, and Abe, let me tell you something. God's okay with that. He's okay with it. And here's the great thing that, that the enemy does. He says, not only is it okay with it, but Abe, you know what? You serve a God that will forgive you for that sin. It's okay. Go ahead. Do it. And we do it. We take action. And in the immediate, the moment after that, the enemy comes right back around and says, and you call yourself a Christian. Who do you think you are? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. That you would even think that. Oh, God's disappointed with you. You see, the enemy plays it both ways, doesn't he? Because we forget that we are risen with Christ. We forget that we've been saved and that we don't have to live this life on our own, but that Christ lives it through us. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. See, we ought to ask Christ, Lord, give me your mind. Let me have what you think. We can't escape living in a world that's very, very dangerous. We live in a world that's going in the opposite direction of what God's Word says, isn't it? We can't help that. We, we're here. <clears throat> However, we can be reminded that Christ commands us, that He helps us understand that if we set our affections on Him, if we put our things above and not below, that God does amazing things. What are some of those things, those affections? Well, we talked about some. Here's some other ones. Aaron mentioned them earlier. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. You see, when we set our hearts on things above, God reminds us that, that, that you have a plan, that I have a plan for your life. Barclay said it this way, there will be a difference. He says, there will be a difference from now on. The Christian will see everything in the light and the background of eternity. You know, if I were to look at this paper, pick up the paper and, and put it here, the width of this paper in relationship to eternity is a descriptive of our life here on earth. 
That's how short our life is on earth. And it's during this time right here that we get the opportunity to set our affections towards the Lord. We get to seek the things above. And we get to see all that Christ is doing in our lives. You see, Paul saw it as a natural progression. He saw it as something that we do all the time. You see, if we, if we, as we set our minds on things above, I'm reminded of that amazing hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You know that hymn, right? You can, you're singing it right now. So as you're singing that song, let me just get a phrase out. Because I think it's a great descriptor of what we're talking about here this morning. It says this, look full in his wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You see, when we look into the face of Jesus every day, as we open up God's word, as we meditate, read the reverse, spend time with the Lord, we're looking in the face of God. You're looking at the very face of God. And guess what? The world goes dim in the light of his glory and grace. So what should our response be? What's the application to this wonderful verse, verses that we've just read this morning? I, I think there's two, but there's probably many. But let me suggest two applications. One, we ought to be who God says we are. We ought to be who God says we are. Who are we? We are a child of God. We are a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. That's who we are. And we ought to be that. Second, I think we ought to remember the old adage, and I like athletics, and I wish I was more athletic than I am, but sometimes I think I'm better than I am, but I'm not. But you've heard the term, we ought to walk the talk. See, we ought to walk the talk. You know what the great thing about walking the talk when you're living the Christ life? You don't have to wonder what you say. It'll match it. Because Christ is living in your life today. So we ought to walk the talk. You see, Jesus doesn't just give us life. He is our life. He doesn't just point us in the right direction. He is our direction. I love the way the Apostle Paul put it in Philippians 1.21. He says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So the challenge this morning for each of us as we are here, and if you're here this morning and you claim the name of Jesus into your life, then we ought to be seeking the things above. We ought to be setting our minds, our affections on the things above. And as we do that, God isn't simply a part of our lives, but he is our life. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the reminder this morning in the book of Colossians. God, that we're to seek the things above and we're to set our affection on the things above. Father, thank you for the resurrection and what that promises us. It promises life with you, an abundant life here. It allows us to be encouraged and to look forward to seeing you soon. Lord, I don't know who, who's here. You do. You know every need that's here this morning. So, Father, I pray that you'd begin to do your work in each of our hearts and that our response would be to you. 
wouldn't be to us, wouldn't be to anybody out here, it would simply be to you. I don't know where you stand this morning. Maybe you're here and you've never made a decision for Jesus. I think now would be a great time for you to start that journey with Christ. Maybe you want to sit where you're at and just spend some time meditating with the Lord, talking with Him. Maybe you want to come to the front and pray up here. We've got pastors that will be up front that will greet you. But this is the most important time of the, of the service. This is your time. And as we stand and sing, let God, let, why don't you respond the way God would have you do it this morning. Let's pray. this time of worship through offering now I ask you be seated continue to worship
Say amen, somebody. Amen. amen. It's a good day to be with us today, to be in the house of the Lord. Any day is a good day to worship him. Brother Abe, thank you so much. Thank you for bringing the word. Thank you for the work that you're doing at BUA, and just thank you for being a part of this family. God bless you. Time for Life Together now, where we, we think about the things that God has called us to do as a family and as a body together. Now look at me. I'm going to ask you a question. Don't look to your left or your right as you answer this question. Ready? When is your anniversary? You shouldn't go. You, sh you shouldn't know. Okay. One of the things you do on your anniversary is you think about those promises made. You think about that day where... where, where where words were exchanged, covenants were made, and, and you celebrate all that God has done through those promises. Well, friends, every October we do the same thing. We come to this commitment campaign where we put these little cards in your, in your bulletins. It's simple. We're not asking much, but we're saying, do you remember when you came down front and you were asked, will you serve? Will you, as a member of this body, will you give? Will you read your Bible? Will you attend? Will you seek opportunities to tell others about this good news, this saving faith in Jesus Christ? And we celebrate that by just remembering, yes, all the good that he has done, all the promises that he has kept. And so I'm going to say yes to those again. It's not, it's not much, but we ask that you do that. Would you take a minute before you leave today, fill this out, and then drop it at the Ask Me Desk on your way out, or just give it to one of the staff, and we'll get it there. We're grateful for that. Tonight... 6 p.m. in the fellowship hall, church conference. In these next, in these few months, October, November, December, we have much to discuss. There's much that's going to be laid on the table before you. Some of it is we're, we're going to bring it up so you can marinate and think about it. But we really need you to be there so that you can be a part of the life and decisions of this church. So 6 p.m. In, in fellowship hall, we may have to move it in here because there's going to be so much to, so many of you there tonight. On Thursday, October 31st, everybody, um, we have Light the Night throughout the city. Um, Pastor Jimmy has designated some homes that will be lighthouses throughout the neighborhoods. where They will give out candy and begin conversations. One of the things that you're going to check on this box is seeking out conversations. So as people come by, as families come by, it's a wonderful opportunity to say, hey, we're First Baptist Church, and we love you. And so I hope that you'll pray for these, these uh, homes, these, these families, and contribute where you can. If you need to know where they are, you can go online and, and, and find those. November 3rd, everyone, is our next area fellowship. We gather all over the city in homes where you eat. You have a short video message from the pastor, and you have a, a study together. But it's a wonderful opportunity to find out who lives around you. Go online, find a host home, and, and sign up. You can discover many wonderful things when we do this, this area fellowship in homes. November 10th at 6 p.m. back here in the sanctuary is one of the great things that we have in the life of the church to celebrate God's calling uh, men to, to, to his service, and that's an ordination service. And so we're going to ordain three of our very own um, that are already on staff. Uh, we're going to Byron Pitts. Jimmy Gunn and Rick Henderson. And so we are thrilled to, as a family to affirm what God is already doing in their lives. So you really want to be a part of that um, on November 10th. And then look at these beautiful flowers in front of me. The altar flowers are given to the glory of God and in loving memory of Everett Taylor by Juanita Taylor. So 
We continue to celebrate every time we come together God's goodness and his, his promises to us. We are dismissed to sing, Take the Name of Jesus with You. bless you.
First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.